2: From that standpoint, I, I thought there was a lot to like about about our team game tonight. I thought our guys had an inspired effort. So um you know we we didn't get the result. Obviously that's disappointing, but I think there's a lot of good things we can take from this one. What? It's not process season. It's
0: not we're doing a lot of the little things right season. It's win or you ain't playing for the big old trophy season. He's encouraged They fought? Okay, that's what you should expect every single time your team takes the (laughs) ice. That you fight. That you compete. That you play with some level of desperation. And then he wants to talk, Mike Sullivan does, about bounces. So there were a couple of bad bounces in the game. Okay, fine, there were. You know what also happened? The Penguins tied it up on a fluky bounce. When Drew O'Connor throws a puck harmlessly seemingly... To the net, it bounced off a skate, goes in the back of the net, and that's how it winds up four to four. They got bounces, you got bounces. At the end of the day, it's not good enough. You got one point, they got two. You didn't even want to give them one point. And again, we're talking about a crushing loss in in the manner in which they have lost a lot of their games this year, guys. 0 for 3 on the power play, which cost them to be able to win that game in regulation. And then, of course, you get to overtime overtime. Where they have been so bad this year, they were so bad last year. It was just, it was like watching any of the other countless Penguins defeats this season, and yet Mike Sullivan's talking about
3: being encouraged. I, I mean, it, it, maybe it was just me, but sometimes they just look like it, it wasn't careless, but it was just like, okay, like we're just trying to get through this game. And I've seen teams like that before, just trying to get through the season, just trying to get through games. But at times, especially on the power play and that one power play mishap, whatever, you know, they're passing back and forth, wasting time, waste time, shoot the puck. You're just thinking, shoot the puck. You're thinking about Yager and what he said. Shoot the puck, shoot the puck. Finally, they shoot the puck. Bad deflection. I get it. Guy gets out of the box, <laughs> freaking breakaway. And I closed my eyes. I was like, this this is just the it's it's on par for what's about to happen. Bang, goal! Like so,
0: real quick, just to just to fixate on that moment, just for a second here, boys. <laughs> Mike Sullivan says, and he said he said it later on in his press conference. That's a bad bounce because the puck goes around the boards and then Barzell comes out of the box and he buries the breakaway. He's a very good player. I, I don't look at that as <laughs> a fluky bounce. No, <laughs> I no. look at that as you got what you deserved by. Like you said, dipsy-doodling around, wasting time. Patty cake. patty cake. waiting for the perfect opportunity. And then you know what? The perfect opportunity, it doesn't exist in games that basically well, amount to playoff games. So you got what you deserved there, Mike the, Sullivan. The, the
4: other thing is uh, Bob Grove tweeted this up before the game, that the Islanders had one of the worst penalty kill in the league. And going into the game, they were 10 for 10 against the Penguins, which means they're huh, now, huh, they're now huh. 13 for 13 against the Penguins. Uh, what would the Islanders' numbers be like if you took those 13 for 13? What would their penalty kill look like then? They're, I mean, they're already, they're already that worse. bad. They might be historically bad if, if, they, if they hadn't played against the Penguins as
0: many times as they have. I, I follow a guy on Twitter going back to when the Penguins played the Islanders in those multiple playoff series. His name is Andrew Gross. I forget where he works for now. Maybe the Athletic. And he tweeted out, I think I might have retweeted it. And he said, the Islanders' power play has struggled so much, something to this effect. He goes, the Penguins did them a bunch of favors tonight. Yeah, they did. Because they're the easiest power play in the league to play against when you know they're content to pass it around the perimeter. You play the tight box. You don't even need to pressure them. No. They're going to pass it around the perimeter. They're going to kill their own power play. And maybe they'll get a look or two. There was one that Sullivan referenced at his press conference where Brian Rust had an opportunity to make a backdoor play. Okay, that's a quality look. But you know what? We're at the point in the season where quality looks aren't good enough. You need to convert.
4: Are we at the point in the season where we might just start to say, "This, this isn't a very good team. Yes, I mean, I, I don't know if we're quite there yet, but we're getting to the point where every single day we sit here and talk about the things they need to do better and how they can do this better and how this can get better. And I've even seen people say you can't, you know, uh, you can't give up on a Sidney Crosby team and all that I get it. But at some point when we keep saying it day after day after day and we watch these games and it's the same story every night at some point, don't we have to say maybe that's just not very good.
0: Yes, and I'm looking for their lineup right now that the Penguins tweeted out prior to the game. And if it, it, it's it's fairly simple for me. Uh, we've talked about this chapter and verse ad nauseum. If you're not going to score on the power play, your roster's not good enough, five on five in the bottom six, to get anything done. And without Gensel, their roster is just full stop not good enough, Paul, to your point. Your top line's Raquel, Crosby, Rust. Okay, fine. You should be productive. Malkin's been on a milk carton he had a point in this game he's had two goals in his previous 19 games he is an absolute shell a shell of his former self (laughs) but his wingers and this is part of his struggles drew o'connor who had a nice game and this phillips kid who can't be bigger than me your third line poos in was pretty good i thought yesterday eller was good yesterday riley smith okay Your fourth line is Harkins, Carter, and White. And when the Penguins were trying to tie the game late in regulation, they moved Jeff Carter up into the top six. If that is a solution, (laughs) you don't have solutions. When this Phillips kid is claimed off of waivers, boys, and immediately plugged into your top
3: six uh,
0: (laughs) next to Evgeny Malkin, you know what you've got? A bad hockey team. A bad hockey team. You can mix and match all those guys. Those guys are not good enough. You know, the other thing we talked about yesterday is that they
4: need to win in regulation because of the point situation. They're they're following the Islanders. And I'm thinking the last two minutes of the game when it's tied. If I'm the Islanders, I just keep sending it down the ice and get the overtime and get the loser's point. Like we talked about, you get a loser's point on the road and you take away the the Penguins' ability to... Well, not only did they do that because... At the end of the game it looked like the Penguins were, you know, down one, not tied. The way that the game was being played, not only did they get to the overtime, then they won the game in overtime. So you went from possibly picking up, you know, two points, which is essentially a four-point swing to one point the other
3: way. Yep. Which is incredible. It's funny you bring up the power play. And like if I was the PK against the Penguins power play, like I I would look at it like this. I would like just just let's place our players in the Shot holes, like where the angles are. Yeah, just collapse the net. Collapse the net, like and and you will be successful because they will not shoot the puck because they won't have they won't have the confidence that there is a hole for them to shoot in. Like, and there's it's, so it's, it's a, that easy, even looking at
0: it. it. It absolutely is, Doran. And then the Penguins they don't have enough guys that they're willing to go to the front of the net in the dirty areas so much so that there was a scrum at one point in the game and Borky basically, yep. you know, what in his pants. Yeah, he This is what you need. It's ugly. You got to get into the crease. That's the way good teams play hockey always. But the way he reacted to it was, this is something that is so rare for the Penguins to do that I have to make a big deal about it. Mike Sullivan, callous back in the studio. Uh, Get this clip for us here, Callis, if you can. Sullivan continued to throw praise at the Penguins. He was asked by our own Jeff Hathorn, were you happy to even just get that point the way things
2: were going through the third period? Here's what Sullivan had to say about the process. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're disappointed we didn't get to. You know, um, I try to look at it objectively and, and, you know, look at the process and, you know, and... and and give the, the give the players, uh, you know, a fair assessment of how the game was played. You know, you can't always control if the puck goes in the net or not. All you can control is your effort, your energy, uh, your intent, your compete level, uh, your execution level. And I thought, for a lot of the night, it was a pretty inspired effort by a lot of guys. You know, I thought we had uh, we had a lot of guys that that were playing a determined game. And I thought our intentions were in the right spots. I thought we had. Um, we had a fair amount of offensive zone play um, you know we fought back to get back in the game a couple of different times just the resilience that the guys showed I was proud of that I think I think the guys really stepped up in that regard that's going to be an important element for us moving forward and I think that's something that we can build on
0: Well, you got 29 games to go. What do you mean moving forward? You just keep falling back in the standings to the point where you're going to be irrelevant in this thing. If you are not already irrelevant, I don't want to hear words like inspired (laughs) and resilience. Those should be prerequisites. Like That should be there every single night. Your determination, your effort, being hard on pucks, uh, being on the right side of the puck, fighting for pucks and corners, going to net. All those things need to be a prerequisite. I don't even disagree with his assessment. Like, they did do some nice things last night. Okay, fine. But these need to have been the habits all year long so you're not in a position where you're desperate right now. And one thing he did not get asked about, at least in the audio that I saw, and and maybe he went longer, but I don't think that he did. No one questioned his decision to start overtime with Lars Eller and Riley Smith when you've got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. The Penguins did not possess the puck in overtime. Mm -mm. And then by the time Crosby gets on the ice, he's backpedaling. He's flat-footed. Bad job by him. Bad job by Latang. A terrible attempt at a save by Nedeljkovic. He needs to be better, and he called himself out after the game. But the idea that you're going to start overtime in what is a must-win game, a must-have two points with Lars Eller and Riley Smith, bro, Sullivan, you got to own this too, man. What are we doing? What a decision. (laughs) A terrible one a terrible oh, one.
4: Uh oh uh, the thing about the process stuff. Oh, you know, the process and all. he's talking like the penguins are a team full of 20 22 year olds. Like this is the 2007 penguins or eight penguin 2008 penguins, right? They're learning how to play. When you've got the oldest team in the league, we shouldn't be talking about process and learning how to play and, you know, we're excited because of uh, the way that we played, it uh it didn't net the result, but we're getting it's all about, like you said, it's all about winning and
0: losing with this Yes, team. it is. At this point, nobody cares how you play. They only care if you got the result. They play a bad game yesterday, but win, you, con- you, you live to play again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now, he's thinking about the season as far as 29 games are concerned. And I even just said that. It's really, it was really a nine-game season and now an eight-game season because you got to make determination what you're going to do with the trade deadline. And that's where we're going to go next. A preeminent Penguins insider was on with the PM team yesterday. And he talked about whether or not the team will trade Jake Gensel. And I have an idea that I haven't heard anybody else discuss, which I want to run by you guys and the listening audience as well. You can tweet us, brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. You can text us, brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. 412-928-9370 is that number.
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
5: I think they should. Uh, I don't think they will.
0: So that's Rob Rossi. False start there by me. I don't know if that got on the air. Did it get on the air, Callis? Oh, Callis is on his P's and Q's. I'm not. I ran through a stop sign there. Let's reset it. There's Rob Rossi. He was asked on the PM theme yesterday whether or not the Penguins will trade Jake Gensel. He doesn't think that they will, and he talked about the injury playing a key role in that. The Fan Morning Show is brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. (sighs) Look, Crosby's given the blessing now. Crosby said he's going to stick around for as long as he's playing. He wants to be a Pittsburgh Penguin, regardless of whether or not they trade Jake Gensel. I mean, we saw it yesterday, and we talked about the lineup. And I I do think Mike Sullivan is doing the best he can in terms of lineup construction. They just don't have a lot of guys. It's not a great roster, and... It's not all Dubas' fault, but I think he has to bear some of that responsibility. Ron Hextall did a lot of it, and then the end of Jim Rutherford's tenure as GM wasn't all that good. But the writing appears to be on the wall. I I will say what I've said going on a couple weeks now, and I would wait until the deadline and just be for doggone sure that you've played your way out of this thing before I start trading people. But here's something I hadn't heard discussed regarding Gensel and moving him. You could trade Jake Gensel... And then get him back this offseason. Like I would almost it, you talked against, Hey, what's your price? What are you looking for? Can we be within those terms? If we trade you now, we're not gonna, we're not making a run this year. We trade you now. Go chase a championship. When we move you, we can bring things back that can help us get closer to that. You go have fun, come back this offseason. And we'll sit down, we'll negotiate with you what you would want to make and for how long to be a Pittsburgh Penguin. I haven't heard anybody talk about that. That could happen.
3: So it depends on what you would get get for him, though, too, right? I mean, if you get something substantial for him and then you do that, but you're also, you know, you're also taking the risk of an individual who's going to feel like you just, you know, he was bait. Like, how would you feel if somebody was like, hey, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to pass on you right now. We're going to push you off to your to to, um you know, a uh, 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 halfway house or something <laughs> for a little bit. And then we're going to bring you back whenever you're all good, whenever everything's all said and done. But we need to get some some of these things back and get our things in order. And then we'll talk to you. Like, I how think would you it would have player? to be a,
0: a really delicate conversation. Yeah. You'd have to just totally spell it out for the guy. Hey, listen, Jake. We'd love you to be part of the, uh, the future of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We can't come to terms on an agreement right now. So we're going to ship you off. We're going to get something in return for you. We'd love to sit down with you and talk about coming back to Pittsburgh this offseason. That way, you know what that would be called? Having your cake and eating it, too. Because Gensel could come back, and you would also maybe get a first-round pick, maybe get a player thrown in. You would have to absolutely spell it out to him, though.
4: But I think part of it is he would he would probably understand that. If you said, you know, let's say they lose four in the next four games, and so they're basically done.
0: Yeah, dead in the water.
4: You say, listen, here, here's the thing, Jake. <clears throat> we don't have a lot of assets to move to make this team better over the next two years besides you. But we're gonna treat you like a rental somewhere else. I think he'd be all right with that. I think if they, like, if they were a couple of points within, you know, striking distance of getting into the playoffs, I don't think he'd be all right with that. Correct. But if it looks like hey, this season's pretty much done,
0: go chase we, a championship. We can and then make come
4: the t- we, we can make the team better. We maybe get a couple of first round picks, or a per- I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, we get a first round pick and maybe a prospect or whatever that we could actually make the team better and then we can sign you in the offseason, I think he'd go for that.
0: Yeah, if you're not going to win anything now, I think that would be a compromise that maybe he would be interested in. I don't know why he wouldn't. Carlos Santana, right? When the Pirates traded him, he said, I'd love to go back into Pittsburgh after this. Now, that didn't happen, didn't work out, but I, I think if the Pirates had reached out to him this offseason and said, hey, man, you want to come back, I think he would have been amenable to it.
3: Yeah, but he's not a guy that, that you know that uh, you could be the integral piece of building around the, in the transition portion of this like he's going to be you know we're all talking about him being the guy that could you know with the rebuild or you know the restart and him being that number one like I, to me like I'm like okay if you don't want me now then you know who's to say somebody else is not going to want me who's to say who you trade me to we don't go win a cup who's to say that they don't pay enough money for so me there's the risk
0: there's the risk right uh, there yeah. because you know right now he loves being in Pittsburgh he loves playing with Crosby and I'm sure if they offered him what he thinks he's worth he would just want to stay here and not have to go through all of this Even if he agreed to what I'm proposing, hey, we're going to trade you, we're going to get something in return, you come back this offseason, best of both worlds. If he goes, and let's say he gets traded to Edmonton, and let's say they don't win a cup, but they fall in the Western final, or they go to the cup final and fail, or they win a couple of playoff rounds, whatever, right? You run the risk of him saying, you know, I know, guys, I told you I'd come back. Things are pretty good here, and it's a turnkey operation, I went in, we won some games. I'm on a contender now. And you're telling me that with what you've acquired in 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 the deal for me that we can become that? Well, right, right. I'm just going to stay where I am because I already know that we are that. Yeah, you do run that risk. But then I I do also think and I'm a guy that's always said, you know, if Gensel's here for the next phase of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey to kind of bridge uh the generations, that's not a bad thing. But you also, you would have to be comfortable with losing him. You would have to be comfortable with losing him. Couldn't you
4: also, like, look at it the other way, though? What if he stays and they lose 20 out of the last 29 and it's miserable? Couldn't he also say, listen, that team had just offered me a contract here. They were just
0: in the Western Finals. This is a long rebuild here. I don't know if I want to stay here. You ha- I feel like if you, ha- if you hold on to Gensel, and Rossi, I don't think, said this. I listened to most of the interview, not the entire interview. But you have to consider if, if you don't get a contract done with Gensel before the deadline, why wouldn't you move him, right? Like, in order for me to want to keep him, I probably have to have him signed. Because to let him go for nothing is hard, even though you would be getting cap space ultimately in return because you wouldn't have to pay him. That is a tough look. Hey, we didn't get a contract done with Gensel, but we're not going to do anything. We're going to see if we can contend. We'll try to work something out with him in the offseason. Well, now he's left for nothing. That's a massive danger. Like to hold on to him and not have a contract extension, I think would be a dereliction of duty from this front office. Now, also, here's a report too from Pierre LeBron, all time tapped in NHL insiders. The Penguins are listening on everyone who is not 87, 71, and 58. Well, that's stupid. You're telling me they should listen to
4: everyone that's not at eighty-seven. Yeah. But here's the other thing. Jay Gensel's gonna be thirty. I here's the thing. I keep look I keep forgetting like how right. he's this
0: twenty three year old yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. 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 I just looked at him, wait a minute. When next season begins, he's going to be thirty. I'm conflicted on Gensel too on how he's gonna age. age because he thinks the game at such a high level. He finds those those scoring places on the ice. He's such a smart guy, Coach's kid, right? Right. right. But he's also not a very big guy, and he has played hard minutes at the NHL level. I could see it to where his game ages gracefully because he's so smart. I could also see it where his game ages terribly Deteriorates. because his body breaks down. Yeah. And I, I don't know which one it's going to be. And I, I don't know if it's one of those things that, that is somewhere in the middle.
3: Well, it doesn't help that <clears throat> this is a situation now, him being hurt. I mean, how many times has he gotten, gotten hurt over his career? Yeah, I oh, mean, no. he, he's been banged he's up. Been banged up, but nothing serious, right? I respect the hell out of the way he plays for his size.
0: I really do. One of the few guys on the Penguins who's willing to go to those dirty areas. And he's one of the elite, I think, bumper players in the game, one of the elite deflectors of pucks in the game. But, yeah, yeah it's the wrist now. Okay, is this the beginning of something right. here for Jake Ensel? I don't have the answer to that. That's something you have to weigh into it, though, when you're talking about giving him a massive contract extension. All right, you can weigh in on this, 412-928-9370. There's also something we're going to get into later on in the show I want to throw out to the people right now, and that's the Fan Morning Show Twitter poll, which is brought to you by PJ Fitzpatrick, Home Improvement, TrustPJ.com. What is the biggest what-if in Pittsburgh sports history? I'll repeat it again for effect. The biggest what-if in Pittsburgh sports history. Send us your submissions. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. Coming up next... I really want to get your guys' thoughts on something. I didn't even bring this up to you prior to the show. There's a player that is retiring from the NFL that is quite polarizing. I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on this next. We're live at Bowser Chevrolet Studio B in Monroeville.
5: we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
0: So Pitt basketball suffered a really tough loss last night. We'll get into that in full form at 7 o'clock. This isn't so much a local story, but I really wanted to get your guys' opinions on this. Matthew Slater 10 time special teams pro bowler retiring from the NFL. He had a nice heartfelt post on X, yada, yada, yada. Played with him. That's why I wanted to ask you this. <laughs> How much impact does a guy like that make? And can a 10 time special teams player, a 10 time pro bowl special teams player, make the Hall of Fame?
3: How much impact? Let's start there first. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it, so that that wouldn't have been a thing. You know, 20 years ago, Uh, maybe Steve Tasker was a guy like that, Um, but consistency in knowing that you have a guy like that. It's basically a leader of a portion of your team. We always overlook special teams and you know, I mean, special teams has a lot to do with the game. I mean, field position and you know, obviously the the guys that are on that team are not starters and you know, you have to do this certain things and it's uh, honestly, frankly, it's a lot harder to play special teams at points of the game than it is to play offense or defense in the NFL. 'Cause there's a lot of chaos you have to deal with. Um you gotta guy, be full bore effort every single play. Yes, every single play. And a guy like Matthew Slater for to do it for as long as he did and to be that component to a team, uh, the leadership quality that he brought was more than him making a tackle or more than him running down as a gunner. The Hall of Fame, though, Good. I don't think so.
0: See, that that's where I draw the line I too. I don't think so. I, I saw on that post Patriots fans. Comment after comment after comment. Hall of Famer. And the way I look at it is this way. If you are a special teams ace, but that's all you bring, it means that you fell short in other aspects of the game. Like, you you couldn't cut it as a corner or as an inside linebacker or as XYZ. You are a valuable member, but you failed at probably what you grew up wanting to do. Mm-hmm. And all, all credit goes to you for hanging on in the league Like Darius Hayward Bay did for a long time. Didn't wind up being a great receiver but hung around in the league for being a special teams player. Full marks to all those guys. As long as you can make your nut, congratulations to you. And I'm serious about that. You can't tell me, though, if you take Slater off those teams that they don't win those Super Bowls. Like, you're still winning every single one of those Super Bowls without that guy.
4: This is similar to the Devin Hester. It is. I didn't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I... He was He's a returner though.
3: That's unbelievable.
4: Yeah, I get I get it, but he, he was an unbelievable returner, but I don't know did he like, really do enough?
3: Like if I if I'm preparing for a team, um okay, it's like you go through the roster and it's like then you go through the special teams roster. And I see Matthew Slater you're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, a pretty good player." But if I go through a special teams roster and I see Devin Hester, like, "We're going to have to change the way that we do our kickoffs, the way we do our punts to not let that guy touch the ball." That he yeah. changed the game in in, uh, in a scoring aspect, in a posi- field position aspect that nobody else could do. Slater, it's like, okay, that guy's going to run down there and make a tackle.
4: Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is you, you, your original premise was a special teams guy, if that's all you do, is that enough to be a Hall of Famer? You're right. Devin Hester has a much...
3: I would say outside of a
4: returner. And for me, actually, kicker, too, because... But a kicker, should, the kickers should be evaluated it and they should be hall of famers for a long time. These hall of fame voters, he's a kicker. He's not a football player. Yeah. Get, you know what? Go through the number of teams that would love to have, I mean, like for instance, like Vinatieri. if you, yeah, you, you think of the Buffalo bills had Venetieri right. in the early nineties, they might have a super bowl ring at
0: least one. Yeah. This guy in Baltimore is a first ballot hall of famer far as I'm concerned, right. yes. because it, it, it changes the entire strategy of your game. Because, you know, once they cross the 50, they're darn near in the go range, which we're talking about, immediate points. And that's why I'll view Hester that way, too, because he could change the scoreboard in an instant, and you had to game plan around him. Slater, though, I I just can't get there for Hall of Fame. Ten Pro Bowls, great, awesome, but no way is he a Hall of Fame guy for me. And the difference between a, a guy like him and a kicker for me is this. You grow up and you want to be a kicker. You didn't fail into being a kicker. You fail into being a special teams ace, in a way, right? I mean, that that is not lost on me. Justin Ticker, Tucker, has been able to kick forever. Mm-hmm. Justin Kicker, I called him. Whatever. Ticker. That guy, he, he, he's unbelievable. That's what he always wanted to do. That's what he practiced. Matthew Slater probably came into the league not wanting to be a special teams. Agent.
3: Well, he he came into the league, if you ever heard a story. I mean, his dad was a coach. I think his dad was maybe coaching for New England at the time, or he was in, in the NFL at the time. He only got an opportunity because his dad was like, okay. Like, he 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 had no shot of making a team whenever he came in, and he knew that. He was like, I, I didn't have a shot. Like, I barely got any reps as a receiver. I got any reps at all. And I was like, you know what, let me just, you know, playing special teams is such a, a willing position, a willing opportunity. Like, if you're not willing to play it, then, you know, you're not going to be on the field at all. And he was willing to to sacrifice really nothing because he didn't think he was going to be there at the time to be a special teams guy and it panned out. So. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and the other thing about a kicker is, like we just said, how many games over the course of time, big games, would be different if the kicker was different? You don't think Minnesota wants a Hall right. of
0: Fame kicker? You don't think Buffalo wants a Hall of Fame see, kicker? You, see, you don't think the Bears want a not Cody
3: Parkey. That's why it's different. Like if you could change the game, if you could change the game scoreboard wise, as you just said, Crowley, I, I and special teams uh in the special teams area. I, you know, for the Venetieris, the Justin Tuckers, the Hesters of the world, like yes, they are Hall of Famers because they change the game in every single week. Like you had to prepare, like, okay, if this team, like you said, gets across the 50, like they're gonna get three points regardless. Right, like that's how you feel. That's how you feel whenever you well, play Baltimore every single are year. Are you going but, for it on fourth down? Are you
0: not going for it on fourth down? The kicker plays such a huge role uh, uh, in all well,
4: that. No, I was going to say uh, the thing about Baltimore in recent years—they've taken their kicker, which is their best weapon, out of the equation because they keep going for it on fourth down all the time instead of kicking field goals, which I don't understand. But
0: they had the ultimate cheat code in the sport. I mean, which is an automatic three points. He does not miss. That that should factor into your analytical decision.
4: Let's, let's go one step further. The last what six, seven, eight years, where the Steelers have played a lot of these close games, these you know games down to the wire. What if they? What if Boswell wasn't as reliable as he is?
0: No doubt. We're going to talk about the big what ifs in sports a little bit later on in the show. Pittsburgh sports, you know that Jesse James game. Everyone wants to talk about, and that's a big what if. I've already had people tweet that in. Boswell was five for five in last second field goals that. year. And they're 13-3. and Like, the Jesse James game doesn't even matter if you don't have a money kicker. All right, coming up next, the Justin Fields Express is so far away from the station right now, it is absurd. So now we're looking at his Instagram. He may or may not, guys, yesterday have followed the Pittsburgh Steelers on Instagram. That doesn't tell us much. What would tell us if he's coming to Pittsburgh? We'll play that hypothetical out when we come back before we get into that tough loss for Pitt at 7 o'clock.
6: That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving, made with natural ingredients. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co.
4: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.
0: 50-minute mark on the fan, brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Route 19, in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Later on in the show, Doug Whaley's going to join us, 9 o'clock, on that fan hotline, presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh-trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. I saw some Steelers blog yesterday, took a screenshot of Justin Fields' Instagram follows, and wrote... "Oh." Justin Fields is following the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's really happening. And then I think a few other people tried to verify it and said it was fake, whatever. So, okay, if Justin Fields were following the Steelers, I don't think that means Justin Fields is coming to Pittsburgh. What businesses, what anything... If he were following, would you finally go, okay, there's some smoke to this? Like, are we talking Primanti's? Like, what would my man need to be following on Instagram what? before you go, oh, dang it,
4: he's actually coming here. What's that, what's that person that you do your endorsement for? Gina something or other? Oh, Gina.
0: There you go right there. Right? Isn't she a real estate lady? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gina? Not- if he started following Bowser, I think we have an idea. And by the way, we're broadcasting live from Bowser uh, Studio B Chevrolet in Monroeville. Yeah, if he starts following <laughs> Gina and Bowser, what if he started following fan personalities? He follows Pony just to block Pony. Yeah, I think that boy. would be kind of telling. Like that—that's the thing for me here. A lot of these guys are going to follow NFL teams, right? I mean, they they just are. I I do Mm -hmm. because I like the content that they push out. Oh, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers in the Jets? My God, what's going on with the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation? I follow these things. I follow these teams. Players don't, though. No? No. So you think it it would be telling? Again, I don't think this has happened.
3: If he started following, like, George Pickens, if he started following Najee Harris— He started following, uh, you know, Cam Hayward, Ohio State. Like, if you want to connect it, you would would connect it with who the Ohio, Ohio State guys are on the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is what? Just maybe one, right? At this time. Cam Hayward. As I rack my
0: uh, brain, yeah, I think so.
3: Yeah, if he follows, like, Cam Hayward, the Hayward House, stuff like that, <laughs> uh, then, you know, he he he, he might be uh, interested in coming to Pittsburgh. Market district, he starts following
0: yes. Giant Eagle. Giant, Giant Eagle. Eagle. Mm-hmm, where am uh, I going to get my grub? Obviously, Permanis, but
4: I think, again, the real estate agent would be the one. You know what I mean? <laughs> if he starts following your real estate
0: agent, I think that's a pretty good sign that that he's coming. He's you know. moving down here. <clears throat> Or like over here from where he is right now, yeah, that would be a telltale sign. Like the all these Twitter sleuths, these Instagram yeah. listen, sleuths.
4: You need more smoke. Listen, I'm, one of the things that when I when I uh, covered Pitt, really, social media wasn't huge. Even you know maybe not at all, really. Like in the two thousand nine or ten, you Facebook. know, it, it was a little bit, but I couldn't imagine being a beat writer now and having the pay attention to nonsense like who a guy is following, who he's not following, you know, who he unfollows, all of that. Because I, I don't even know how you do it. I guess you can, you know, one of the uh, one of the youngsters in there was trying to explain to me that it's really not that hard. I'm just saying I don't wouldn't want to do that. It's a that. job
0: you never thought you'd be doing Yeah, it's your, is your, the your, point your of
4: your it. You're a your beat reporter, you know, and it's kind of like, what are we doing here?
0: If he followed the Pittsburgh scanner Twitter account, the police scanner Twitter account, that might be a telltale sign. Yes, that's the greatest account going. Is that Pittsburgh Scanner Twitter account?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That there's would tell there's me. some tremendous- like Mario's. Yes. So d- is Diesel still around? No All right, PD. comma. You think Yager got into town and went? Where's Di- I guess Diesel would have been way before his town. Chauncey's would have been the place he would have hung right. out. Right? Who? Yager. Yeah, Chaunceys, Donzies, Woodsons. Do you think he showed up and was like, "Oh, baby, what's his girl's <laughs> name? What, whatever, Dominica. Dominica, Dominica." Let me take you to my old stomping ground, Chaunceys, and he just shows up. And yeah, it, shows, it's an there's, apartment building.
4: There's, yeah, there's no there, way. Even the, the water, even the uh, the boardwalk over there on, in the strip where, oh. you know, everyone re- talks about Donzies and remembers Donzies, but remember right across the little boardwalk area there was Whiskey Dicks. That place was out of that was. Doran would have done some damage in there <laughs> on a nightly basis. Let me just tell you that. Take the fifth, Doran. Take the fifth. Lead the fifth. Yeah, his dad's going to send him another. Hey, don't answer that.
3: I, I think those closed whenever I was in, like, probably elementary school, sixth grade. Yeah. Sixth grade. I don't know. I, I, I know the names, but, I I mean, I, I was not to All close I know is this.
0: If Jordan Stahl came back to Pittsburgh with Carolina played the Peds and he wanted to go to Diesel, he'd be very disappointed. Remember, remember that, Remember? That, I guess, it's a
4: rap. R&B song or whatever, uh, North Carolina, yep. take your shirt off. Petey Pablo. Well, yeah. When they would play that at Whiskey Dicks, all of the chicks, many of them would stand on the table and take their shirt off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <And> Maybe I- <laughs> don't take Dominica there. I'm just saying.
0: All right, coming up next, uh Pitt Men's soup suffered uh, a damaging loss last night, if you believe Joe Lenardi. But just how damaging – is it to Pitt's NCAA tournament resume? We'll chew on that coming up next. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks.